says Motley Crue. That's right, Mr. Buddy Lee. It is Motley Crue. Jeff Farmer, look at me, son. Look in these eyes. You know by now there ain't nobody at home that never was. Now, son, you got lucky one time, one single time. You did something that not many people have ever done, and that's beat me in the middle of squared circle. You got lucky one time, that is. Once. Once is not a lifetime, son. Once is not forever. Next time I see you, next time that you decide that you want to go somewhere or you want to be out partying with your babe, you look behind you. Look, make sure that Molly's not there. Make sure I'm not around, son, because when I see you, you're going down, and it don't matter where it's at, squared circle or not. Here, Mr. Buddy. We'll be right back. Ba-da-da-da. Welcome to Fourth Time to the Charm Where Niches Need. I'm your producer, Ben, alongside my special guest of the day, the beautiful bun. It's my lovely wife, Rebecca. You know, it's been a long year. There's been a lot of missed opportunities, but I want to close the year out with a quick hot potty about the most important topic in the world, pro wrestling. Early 1920s, Tootsmont joins up and forms the world-famous Gold Dust Trio with Billy Sandow and future world champion Ed Strangler Lewis. They quickly take over the wrestling landscape. 1934, Jack Pfeffer exposes the work in the New York Daily News in November, and thus pro wrestling is forever labeled a laughingstock. 1953, Jess McMahon, under the tutelage of Toots Mon, opens Capital Wrestling Federation. 1982, Vince Jr. takes the reins from his father and then begins to expand the WWWF, then the WWF, into all television homes across America. 1997. Nothing really big happened there. And then in 2019, All Elite Wrestling, founded by Tony Khan, is the next in a lineup of many wrestling promotions before to take a stab at taking a slice of the national wrestling pie away from the McMahon dynasty. Here we are at the end of 2022, Taking a look back at the year that was all elite wrestling, my beautiful wife. You didn't mention WCW. You kept talking about the WWF, and then you didn't talk about WCW. Well, yeah, I was going for like a minute long intro. Basically, I was trying to flex that I knew a lot about ye old wrestling. You do. And then, thank you. Thank you. Words of affirmation. Um... But ultimately, I wanted to get your thoughts about AEW. I wanted to talk about AEW. We don't talk about AEW much on the podcast because I feel like talking about current events in wrestling is extremely overplayed. But it's between uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, a bunch of other December holidays, and the new year. And while we are working diligently on our top albums of the year 2022, I wanted to take a quick pause for the cause And uh, just talk casually, like, about pro wrestling, uh, specifically AEW, because they've had a hell of a year. They've had a, I'm not sure I would call it good, 
A few good things happened, mostly bad things. It, it was a rolling with the punches <laughs> type of year. So you, so the company starts in 2019. Weekly TV starts in October 2019. You started watching about a year in consistently weekly in December 2020, though you'd been l- loosely following it through me, of course, before then. Yeah, I was of the this is a laughing stock opinion until then. Wow, that, that You mentioned it in your intro. Well well, I mean, yeah, but after you you saw John Moxley make his debut at the MGM Grand? Well that was only because you related it to me in terms I understood, which was anime. Well, we've made it past that point <laughs> well you were a trooper then. Um <laughs> Uh, so this is the end of your second year watching AW weekly in full. My God, it's only been two years. Uh, wrestling has not moved this fast in a long time. People look back at the WWF Attitude Era as like peak pro wrestling when the best parts happened between 1998 and 2001. It's like three years. Wow. Yeah. Um, Was it? Wars happen and and I'm I'm not gonna begin to butcher that phrase. Uh, so compared to the 2021 you watched, what what were some highlights and some lowlights of 2022 in comparison? Well, there were at least three lowlights that come immediately <laughs> to mind. Um, one of which, of course, the elephant in the room, the blue whale in the room cm punk that was quite a roller coaster especially because i was on camera sympathizing with him before he completely nuked his career not just torpedoed straight up nuked it he nuked his legacy which was even more impressive uh so that's one one cm punk getting into a backstage real life fight with the EVPs of the company he was actively working for after spending 20 minutes excoriating them in a live press conference. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. The other low point that also comes to mind is not something people outside of AEW would care about outside of AEW. People care about CM Punk because of WWE, but inside AEW, there was a three minute shift from Great wrestler to please leave. Yeah, Sammy Guevara. <laughs> yeah. Sammy Guevara. I, I have, you know, it's, th- there's a few inflection points in wrestlers' careers. Uh, Sammy Guevara coming out as a beloved good guy with his girlfriend at the time, Ty, Ty Mello, Ty Conti. Would, can you imagine we started the year where they were just starting to date? And they're, like, already almost six months married now? Yeah, well, he was engaged during that. Or I guess he broke up with her right when he started dating Ty Conti. But that's neither here nor there, except that he did get engaged on television, which is a rough choice. Rough choice. Yeah, especially when you're not going to follow through. John Cena made that same mistake, though. It seems like, I mean, you had a podcast about wrestling weddings a few of those were real right yeah like two of them this one was especially brutal because i I mean the 
only time I can think of another wrestler having one moment derail their career, like Sammy Guevara having a 90-second promo where he talks about having sex on top of the TNT title. The only other thing I can think of is Dr. Death Steve Williams being knocked out in the Brawl for All in 1998. Um, For real. But it was supposed to be real. That's a discussion for another day. Uh, What was your third point? My third point was, of course, we got to take a look at the women in women's wrestling. Soraya is... uh, See, I I would think Cody Rhodes would rank higher than that, losing Cody Rhodes. Well, so that was sad, but it wasn't like a low point. Everyone knew he was going to go. They were hoping... I didn't know he was going to go. No, I, I could tell he was leaving because... I I mean you were we were hoping that he would turn heel but it wasn't it didn't seem like he really wanted to and he had this whole like family family legacy in WWE I felt like he probably was going to leave I mean to be fair I also thought MJF was going to leave and he didn't so I'm I'm 50-50 on that one but I thought that was more sad it's not like something bad happened like CM Punk that was bad Sammy Guevara bad Soraya really bad Soraya Soraya I feel like the last few weeks they've course corrected with her a little bit yeah it's getting better but But, she she came out and she came out did probably and I haven't even watched wrestling very long but AEW is in my opinion very good like, I've, because of Ben, of course, I've seen a lot of wrestling. And as far as promos go, they're very good. Soraya's promo was one of the worst promos I've ever heard. What, you don't want to hear someone talk about how they've been retired for seven years, but all of this belongs to them? It was such she a. She just came off so, like, domineering like she she came off like cm punk she shows up (laughs) she shows up and she's like okay you all suck and i'm the boss now and it's like bruh you weren't even here this whole time i i think that 2022 in hindsight is going to be seen as as uh as a year of growing pains intense massive growing pains because you have 2019 into the start of the pandemic, you have a few key stars, but AEW as a whole was still a lot of indie wrestlers being propped up by key acts that used to be in WWE. And they're working too hard, like so many injuries this year. Yeah, they're getting better though. Uh, 2020 during the pandemic, uh, AEW, I think, subtly increased their roster. uh, But under the confines of Daly's place where they're not traveling week to week, it was a lot easier for them to make sure everyone had something to do. Uh, and the actual shows were quite good. Then you have 2021, you start touring again and the problem started to show, but you have the momentum of CM Punk, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, so many debuts in such a short period of time that it's still incredibly exciting up through Hangman Page winning the world title. And then it's starting this year with Cody leaving 
that you run into issues of politics, people being upset they're not being booked, uh, uh, storylines that kind of fall off, peter out, uh, a lot more inconsistencies. Um, And I think that since All Out, and especially since Full Gear, the shows have seen a marked and rapid improvement to what I remember watching back in like 2020, 2021. A lot more focused episodes. And now there's really only a handful of guys who aren't being featured on the show that probably should be. And injuries are getting healed. I think the three best things that happened in AEW this year all happened after All Out, which is... uh, Again, back to the women's division. Throughout the year, it's a small division, and you could see them hiring people, most of which weren't particularly great on TV. But over the last, like, three months, there's been several wrestlers, I mean, even, and I'm going to sound kind of mean for saying this, but even Sky Blue. Even Sky Blue. Who really sucked. A lot of female wrestlers have come out on TV over the last three months and have not sucked. I mean, a lot of them have been just passable. A few have been actually good. But the fact that they went from a bare bones, pretty much everyone except five people is bad at wrestling, and two of the good wrestlers are like good because they can talk and otherwise aren't good. Um, now I think they have a pretty solid division for next year. Yeah, they do. And it was capped off with, I think their best women's match of the year, which was Jamie Hayter versus uh, Sheeta on last week's dynamite, which was absolute barn burner. Um, let, let's do it this way. AW this year was not as good as last year, but it was still pretty good. Very good. In fact. Uh, and I think in the years to come, we'll be like, wow, we were really spoiled thinking this year wasn't very good. Uh, But what would... uh, You're an outsider who got into wrestling. Because I married you. Yeah. How how would you sell pro wrestling? How would I sell pro wrestling? What do you mean? If someone's like, why should I watch pro wrestling? What would you say? Well, I'd say that they should watch AEW. I'm an athlete. So I really like AEW because it's athletic. And I guess that's also why a lot of people get injured. But I would sell it as like going to the circus where it's super impressive what they're doing. But it's not like they're doing it just because everything is choreographed. So I would sell it as it's a it's a show where the script has been written but, like, it's super cool to watch. I would not sell WWE because no. it's not athletic and it's it's kind of hard to tell what's going on. <laughs> it, for AEW, they do have a lot of storyline going on. But if you just want to see, like, people do a bunch of flips, I think that's pretty cool, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think... Which is weird because WWE presents themselves as the more, uh, the the more easy to get into option. Well, I'd say it's easy to tell who to root for, 
but it's not easy to tell why. Yeah, the the issue with WWE is that beyond the fact that it's a bloated product, uh, is that it's not it it's not spectacular. I, AEW is counter to WWE in that WWE still has their guys wrestle or traveling like 250 days a year. Right. And so because of that, the wrestling in general is less spectacular. And in the TV market that we're in, I don't know if the profit they make from live events is really worth them not going all out on TV. But then again, if you have a three hour show and a dead audience, I don't know why you would. I think AEW could probably be described best as... I mean, spectacular is a really good word. Well, I like that word. I would say mixing Cirque du Soleil with the Muppet Show. It's intense acrobatics with everything going wrong comedically in a way. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, who would you have pegged as... If, if there was a wrestler where it's like, I'm, I'm looking to get into wrestling, who would you choose well, if you're looking for a bad guy, then of course MJF. Yeah. He is so fun to listen to. Obviously, he's insulting you, but if you want someone charismatic and engaging to like get you into wrestling and is a bad guy, definitely MJF. He's he's what? 25, 26 years old. He's their world champion. He's wrestled less than 10 matches this year. And he is probably, I would go so far as to say that Tony Khan, I I think MJF is the single most important person to AEW outside of Tony Khan. I, I like, I would keep MJF over Kenny Omega, over the Young Bucks, over any single person on the roster. Over Moxley? Because Moxley held that shit together. Because the thing with MJF, is that and is that wrestling is about storytelling. Modern wrestling is about storytelling, right? Uh, MJF knows how to put stories together. And <laughs> just 20-something years old, he's done a lot of good stories and he's learned how to pivot, it, which is truly amazing. I, I agree. I think, though, that he is not better than, maybe equal to Moxley in importance, but not more important. Because MJF, he has the story and he has the pizzazz. But Moxley, as we saw demonstrated several times this year, has the stability to hold a division together that's falling apart. But here's the thing, is that MJF, him and Jericho. Obviously, Jericho. <laughs> Jericho is the greatest of all time. Chris Jericho, <laughs> if you watched wrestling 20 years ago and stopped, you've missed out on a lot of Chris Jericho. And just uh, his new abs. You missed out on his new abs. Yeah, he used to have a beer gut and abs. Now he just has abs. Crazy. But I think that what makes MJF special is he's able to do things for other people around him. You know, he made Wardlow. Kind of flubbed the ending with whatever the fuck went on in May. But, you know, no one would have cared about Wardlow if it wasn't for MJF. 
You know? Well, no one would have cared about a lot of wrestlers if it wasn't for Jericho. Yeah, but MJF is half of Jericho's age, and he's arguably as strong of a talent. Pro- not as fleshed out or whatever, but can you imagine the mind of MJF right now in 30 years? MJF feuded with CM Punk in one of the best laid out storylines I've seen in decades of watching wrestling. If you want to watch a great wrestling storyline, just watch the segments between MJF and CM Punk from the fall of 2021 through their match at Revolution 2022. I mean, you don't need to know anything about their backgrounds. It's just the whole thing is beautiful storytelling. And it's... I, I think it's one of the things that AEW is going to be recognized as doing for pushing the art of pro wrestling forward. Uh, and I think that a lot of this is on the heels of Kenny Omega is that it's the first wrestling promotion that it's, it's not, but it's, it's one of the first wrestling promotions that pushes the art of the storytelling in their main event feuds over trying to just get people in the doors where you know Hulk Hogan and Andre or Hulk Hogan and Savage like yes very in-depth stories but Omega and Hangman that story arc that took place over several years has a lot more pathos than other older wrestling feuds it's i was a gonna lot more... say if you wanted to talk about things that get you into wrestling and you're looking at good guys it wasn't this year but the hangman sega up until his world title is what actually got me into wrestling it was watching that <laughs> yeah it's it, and it's interesting because it sounds like splitting hairs on the outside of it but AEW, at least in a lot of their main event feuds, because you can't do it up and down the card, but they've done something that people have advocated for WWE to do where they've made several of their feuds feel more like a TV show in terms of characters. Because WWE structures a lot of their shows like a TV show, but the characters are static. They don't change. AEW, the characters tend to change relatively quickly, but everything has a purpose to it. And I think that's the one thing that's being pushed forward. And that's because of guys like Kenny. I think Kenny Omega is like the nexus point of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure, especially with women's storylines, wasn't he like in charge of them? I, who, who really knows? He's, he's like an advocate for the women's division, but it's hard to say what he actually does or not. Mm. yeah um anyway some scattershot thoughts but i want to but let's give some people some 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 stuff to look at so let's talk what is your favorite match of the year my favorite match of the year yeah we've been to several of these shows live my match of the year without a doubt is anarchy in the arena from double or nothing 2022 if you want to watch just how batshit but fun pro wrestling can be. Anarchy in the Arena is like a 40-minute brawl with lo- with music playing during it, crazy weapon shots, gasoline, I like tearing the ring apart. 
one of the most insane matches, and I was so happy we got to see it live. Still thinking. You know, I have a pretty bad memory. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't tell me I needed to pick my favorite match of the year. I was... I was trying to look through my stuff to see if anything jogged my memory. MJF and CM Punk and the dog collar match at Revolution was great. Uh, let's see. Jamie Hayter and Sheeta from last week's Dynamite was great. Young Bucks versus FTR was great. The best of seven series with uh, the Elite and Death Triangle uh, have been amazing feats of athleticism. I appreciate that everything in AEW has its own lane. There's so many different types of wrestling that you can have. Sammy Guevara and Cody Rhodes in a ladder match was absolutely insane from very early on in the year. Um, we've been spoiled with with pro wrestling riches. Uh, Tanahashi versus John Moxley at Forbidden Door was great. John Moxley beating CM Punk in like a minute for the world title. Oh, that, that, was, was that was great. <laughs> a- after begging for CM Punk to turn. AW, it's like if if like they're not turning heel, you're not going to know it. Between CM Punk and Cody Rhodes, it's like, hmm. Uh, any, any memorable feuds of the year you'd like to call out? Yeah, I uh, I really like Jamie Hayter. I mean, she hasn't really had... Well, like her rise to the title. Yeah, her rise to the title was good. And I, I think the best feud so far in the women's division, and it was like a comedy feud, but it was still... Their stories haven't been amazing. So the fact that they're actually like doing a storyline, even though it's not like that serious... I really enjoyed Jade and um, the Native Beast. Oh, Nyla Rose. Yeah, yeah. that was really fun. Because I, I was watching it. I told you Nyla was going to go back to AEW Dark Purgatory, and you didn't believe me. Yeah, I'm real sad about that. But um, I I remember watching the Jade and Nyla feud, and it was only a few weeks. Basically, she stole the TNT Championship belt from Jade, and went around, like, pretending to be the TNT champion, parading and stuff. Uh, Nyla is super good at quips. She reminds me of uh, Bianca Del Rio from Drag Race. Oh, from Drag Race. Yeah, it's a yeah. good call. Yeah. Um, but it was the first time I was watching, like, a women's feud where I was like, this is actually kind of well thought out. <laughs> you know, It's not just Britt Baker being mad at you for three weeks and then winning or losing you you know who pitched that storyline <laughs> who tony shivani Ooh. yeah tony shivani's the man because usually the women's storylines are like Britt baker specifically yes is either mad at you and she beats you or she's mad at you and you beat her but like nothing else ever happens and this was like a real different sort of vibe and i liked it a lot yeah um, I, I think that I, I, I know for sure, I know 100,000% what my least favorite feud of the year is. What? And, and it's, uh, Sammy Guevara versus American Top Team. <laughs> I, I mean. It was rough, wasn't it? I, I get what happened. 
But I I hate how it happened. I mean, Cody Rhodes leaves. No one really likes Sammy Guevara. He starts a feud with these MMA guys led by Dane Lambert, a legit, like, well-known, well-respected MMA trainer. Can't believe that was this year. It was so long. It felt like 10 years, but 10 years ago. Dane Lambert also is one of the best pro wrestling belt collections in the world, so I will never diss Dane Lambert himself because one day maybe I'll be able to look at his belt collection. (laughs) I don't know how, but you don't even know. I mean, it's... One of the most insane things. He did a segment uh, in Impact a few years ago where he brought out like 10 of his titles. And he's like, yeah, here's a belt that Jerry Lawler wore in Memphis. I was like, oh my God. Anyway. Um, but yeah, it just goes on and on where they're they're just... the Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti have sex on a belt. And, and then... And- End his career, yeah. basically. And so the crowd doesn't like him, but Dan Lambert is amazing at insulting the crowd, and that's his job, so the crowd's booing him. Scorpio Sky wins the title. Oh, but, God. But then Sammy Guevara wins it back. But then Scorpio Sky wins it again and seemingly turns face. But then he turns bad again on his former partner just so that he can lose the title to Wardlow. But that's prolonged because Scorpio got injured. Yeah, he disappeared. Yeah, he's injured. So, I mean, everything about that with Snake Pit. That I think the most underrated miss of the year for AEW is whatever happened with the TNT title. Because what the TNT title used to be, they're doing with the All-Atlantic title in Orange Cassidy. I feel like... I'm so happy Orange won a title. Orange Cassidy is... I think Orange Cassidy is the greatest entry point for people looking to watch pro wrestling. I mean, every meme my friends send me of wrestling, and they don't watch wrestling. They're just like, oh, Rebecca watches wrestling. And every meme and gif just so happens to be Orange Cassidy. And I'm like, oh, that's my favorite wrestler. And they're like, oh, he's like the only one that we regularly see. So. Yeah. Um. So there's been some good, there's been some bad. Uh. Overall, how what would you what would you rank AEW out of five stars for this year? Ooh, I mean, last year was really good. Last year was like a five out of five year. But it, but I feel like the highs this year were higher, but the lows this year were way lower. I'd give it like a four for me. Well, you've been around a while in wrestling terms <laughs> since you were two years old. I'm going to give it a four and a half because if I'm comparing it to last year, you know, the two and a half years I watched wrestling, <laughs> last year was great. This year was... Almost as good, I think. I think I liked experiencing the low lows because it was novel to me. I mean, I know you were gripping your chair expecting a WCW implosion and being really sad. I'm so scared. (laughs) God, next year we're going to have talks about television deals while the television market's down. Oh my god, I'm going to be so nervous. I need AEW to stay alive. 
Oh, you know, I just remembered another low point. It, it, it evened out higher, but Ring of Honor. Yeah, there was too much Ring of Honor. I get why he, why Tony Khan had so much Ring of Honor. Well, when you said and, TV deals, yeah, it reminded me and, of it. And I cannot begrudge him at all for it, but it was an albatross really from like after Double or Nothing until like full gear like that like six months too much ring of honor yeah it's it's leveled out now but you know um so we'll leave it at this what would you say was the best event this year if, if there was one for people to go out and watch what would it be it would be mjf returning not winning his belt but coming back so would it be that event yeah. Okay, so all out 2022 then. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Ever, everything before the post-show scrum. Just don't watch that. <laughs> uh, I See, for me, the best shows of the year, my top three are uh, November's Full Gear, uh, June's Forbidden Door, which was a crossover show with New Japan, and then May's uh, Double or Nothing. I mean, we were at that one, so it's kind of cheating, but... That that was my favorite of the year, probably. Double I, or nothing. I I think Full Gear was probably a better show, but I personally enjoyed Double or Nothing more because we were like there, Anarchy in the Arena, Anarchy in the Arena. I loved. Got to see Hook and Danhausen. Well, from the two and a half years I've watched wrestling, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess you could say three years because I have been to the pay-per-views even when I wasn't watching Dynamite. Your first Dynamite. show was four years ago. Yeah, so I've been to the pay-per-views, if not Dynamite, every week. But I'd say that Double or Nothing and All Out every year are generally the two best shows. I've noticed All Out is always the controversial show. Is that so? Yeah, because 2019... Cody Rhodes brought his dog out and it got scared because there was pyro. <laughs> and so everyone was like, Cody Rhodes hates dogs. <laughs> then in 2020, you remember that because Matt Hardy got like badly concussed and they like didn't have the right protocols to stop the match. Ooh, yeah. So they like rushed to the finish, but it's like, why in God's name would you do that? And his wife got on Twitter and just like, 2021 was like evergreen that's like that one was okay well didn't that have the cage match with the lucha brothers yeah it's like the that best was like the best match yeah, ever it's like the best tag <laughs> match ever uh and then this year was was cm punk throws an angry fit. to be fair it was it, no normal like casual fan would watch the post-show scrum so for except for that one more people watch that than episodes of dynamite well i think what happened is no one watched it except like people like you and then cm punk lost his fucking mind and everyone got told about it and then watched it i'm so thankful we have that now (laughs) so thankful um any parting thoughts on AEW this year Heading into 2023. I think my main thoughts for the men's roster is that it needs to be pared down. 
And they're paring down the storyline since All Out, which is good. But I think they actually need to pare down the roster. I think they're all they're they're really only there's too many people, and a lot of them are really good, but there isn't time. There's only a few now though that aren't getting time. Really, it's like Miro's the only guy who's notably not on TV consistently. Because like when you think about everyone else, it's like. Mm. No, there's a reason for that. Before, I'd agree with you, but I think they've done a much better job recently. No, because I think even with the people who are on TV consistently, it's not enough time to make me care. Like, Hmm. I think every team that you really want to push should get, like, Jericho time. Or the acclaimed time. Or the acclaimed time. Because you have teams like Malachi who are there consistently for, like, 30 seconds, and I don't think it's enough time to, like, really build something up. So who would you get rid of? Well, that's the hard part. They're all really good. (laughs) But I do think someone with more wrestling knowledge than me needs to work with Tony Khan to pare it down. Um, See, I'd move, like, I'd move the legacy guys, or a lot of them, like Moxley, I'd just have them on Rampage. You know, that's true. They do have a second show. I think they could squeeze all the older souls onto Rampage. And so like people would get to see them and it probably boost Rampage's ratings. Yeah, that's what they've started doing with Moxley and it's paying off. actually. Yeah. because uh, there just isn't enough time for all this great talent. As for the women, I think they need to continue doing what they're doing because they, they've gotten a lot better. Yeah, finally, <laughs> finally, finally. It's taken so long, but they've gotten a lot better. And they did add a few people, and that helped. A, a few people who actually knew how to wrestle. And they trained the really young ones long enough that some of them can wrestle, and that also helped. But I I think that they need to continue what they're doing and maybe like mid next year, they can have a consistent two women's matches every Dynamite. You get two matches every Dynamite like once every few months. No, no, you don't. Yeah, we've had it. It's it's like a two segments. Two segments. Yeah, you'll get two segments, not two matches. I think mid next year they could probably get in two matches. With the amount of people who are good at wrestling at this point. I mean, you also got to work on their characters. But it looks like there's a lot of character work going on. I just don't know if they're going to be good at selling it. Because you got you got Malachi's girl. What's her name? Julia Hart. You have Julia Hart. You have uh, Jamie Hayter who came up really fast. Um, Sky Blue is getting better at wrestling and she did a promo the other week that wasn't actually terrible. It was the same promo from two weeks earlier, but it was better. You're and Bunny has like a character sort of, I think like they're all getting personalities. It's just, can they speak to it? Cause a mm. lot of them can't talk well. Yeah. I think that's the next thing they need to work on now that they can wrestle passably. They need to learn how to talk. Yeah, outside of Jamie Hayter and and Brett, we need people who can talk. I've put Nyla Rose on the mic. Nyla Rose is so yeah, good. Yeah, Nyla Rose fan club. For the love of God, put the title on Nyla Rose and let her run wild. I will put on her again. 
Um, I will close with this. My two wishes for 2023 are to enjoy every moment we have with Chris Jericho, the greatest of all time. He is great. And the, the quicker you accept that, the more you can enjoy him while he is still the greatest of all time. And my second wish is to get more of the butcher on TV because the butcher's great. He's going to crush those crumbs. I I uh, don't stand the butcher that much. The butcher! <laughs> but I support you. And she supported me the first time. You can support us by being our biggest fan. Just give us five stars and let us know. And if you didn't get it the first time, or the second, or the third, you'll get it when the fourth time's the charm. Good night and good.